This is the aptly named from IndieWeb podcast, episode number 11, recorded November 11th, 2018. Our last episode was in September, so it's been a while since we've had this type of conversation. Although we've had lots of um, lots of IndieWeb goodness in between episodes, though, so... Yes, and I am once again joined by Chris Aldrich, who has been the other half of this conversation for the last 12 episodes. And let's see, um, what have you done since September 17th, the last time we did one of these episodes of an indie web nature? It's been pretty busy. I've done a bunch of small, tiny tweaks relating to... uh... Uh, some and some relating to things you've pushed and updated, um, but I think most of it's most of it's been fairly small. The the big thing uh, was a, a recent indie, uh, not an indie web camp, but a WordPress camp or Word camp that I went to, um, uh, where I did a uh, a short session on WordPress and indie web, uh, which went rather well. Well, um, I did see that you had some slides. Yeah, I felt uh, that was, it didn't take too much work, although it took a little bit of tweaking and some research, but I felt supremely guilty giving an web related talk at a camp without first owning the slides and the presentation on my own website. So I did spend a couple of hours as I was putting things together and then went back and took all my work and kind of re-slided things so that I could actually own it all on my own website. And I did read it. It it was a very nice presentation. Which was more work than, than it probably I should have done while I was putting the talk together. Um, So if anyone else is contemplating it, do the talk, silo your slides and then do the functionality on your own website after the fact and you know, pesos them back rather than posse them out. Well, you know what they say, always do what you have to do. <laughs> I I broke that as I did it, so I know better now. But, well, uh, I did a few know. things. Um, since the last time we met, uh, there was Indie Web Camp New York City. I think that was after the I last. Re- I thought that was, was it. That was uh, after. Yeah. Wasn't that I after the was. last recorder? I think it was. That would have been the twenty. That's the three, camp, three camps have happened since we uh, have last convened. So we had Indie Web Camp New York City, Indie Web Camp Nuremberg, and Indie Web Camp Berlin. And Oxford may have actually happened after we spoke last, too, but I'm not sure. Was, no, actually, let me think. When was Oxford? If only, was, we, if only we had a list. Uh, let's see. I'm pulling it up. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, this is only showing upcoming events. Um, where's past events? IndieWeb.org slash 2018 slash Oxford. 922-923. Yeah, so uh, there was Oxford. So um, I forgot about Oxford. So it was literally days days after we spoke last. Yeah, and I'm looking here and uh, let's see. there are pictures. From Oxford, uh, including what looks like a, um, a 360. Um, Either that or they have some really avant-garde tables. 
Yeah. Now I looked at the session grid and the session grid apparently uh didn't go up. That would explain why I had trouble remembering what happened at Oxford. Uh let's see. Pages to be created. Demos. Yes book. Okay. Um somebody If I recall too, I think Oxford popped up on the schedule as a group of people working slightly outside of the mainstream of the core indie web group, which is a phenomenal thing. So I think as a result, bits and pieces of some of the larger infrastructure. Well, Jeremy Keith was there. He usually is pretty good at documentation. Yeah. Either way, I don't know what happened at Oxford. That explains why I couldn't remember what happened at Oxford. Yeah. Uh, So then we had indie web camp, New York city. Uh, There were some problems there. So this would have been September 28th uh, and 29th. It was a Friday-Saturday event. which uh, And then there was a pre-event on Thursday. And that included a um, leadership uh, event where uh, the term leaders was deprecated. Uh, there are no more... There will never be a leaders meeting again. Alas... Uh, they are now called organizers, which is more accurate. Uh, so that took place um, at Pace University, and there were some logistical problems. Uh, for example, on Friday, apparently the security guard started chasing away people. <laughs> well, you know, some sec- some security guards are a little more pro-silo. Uh, well, apparently uh, they had a new security guard, and uh, he wasn't in the know, although I did not have trouble getting in. But um, one of the organizers was very optimistic about having more people at the event than we ever had before, but uh, we didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, that doesn't mean that it wasn't a nice event. It just means that uh, it did not achieve that expectation. Well, that's, you know... I- I don't put that down. As long as at least one person shows up, it's a success. Oh, yeah. I showed up, so that's one. And uh, let's see. Unfortunately, the UN was in town, which made it a little hectic to get there and back. But it was a nice event. We had uh, three keynotes. Three good, solid keynotes, actually. so, So one of the goals of the event was to make things a little more inclusive by getting keynotes from people who are not necessarily part of the core community. Uh, We did have one from Aaron because we traditionally have sort of a a community keynote, but we also had some different types of discussions. So we had one on increasing remote participation across the globe and one for designing for participation in open spaces. So new things, new ideas. Yeah, in fact, actually, the remote participation actually of that was went really well. I think I sat in on the majority of the weekend. Yeah, um, and I'm told that I was uh, very audible. <laughs> um, I decided since it was in New York to uh, uh, bring the craziest uh, remote computer setup I could think of, which consisted of a, a laptop on a stand, a um, actual mechanical keyboard, mouse. And a second monitor. Just because I could. Well, when you're when you're closer, it's easier than when you have to schlep that kind of you know hardware. No, I'd be I, I'd be I was tempted to bring that to Berlin just to see what 
happen. But anyway, um, I didn't. Well, I had enough room. I checked luggage. I could have. So what what was your favorite uh, part of New York or favorite session, favorite talk? Well, um, there were actually things I wanted to go back and uh, watch. I probably should one of these days. Um, but there were two con- um, basic uh, splits. So there were, we had uh, data portability. So somebody uh, was there who happened to uh, represent the data liberation front and the new data transfer project. So we were able to talk about that a bit. I wasn't that one. Uh, Rachel Tannenbaum. I'm just looking it up. Yeah, that one was pretty interesting. Well, it's very interesting that um, despite the fact that you have these silos, there are people there who want to allow things to be transferred. The thing is, they're thinking about it being transferred from one silo to another silo. Although I suppose if it's transferable, is it technically a silo? Mm. But well, that's what surprised me. I think most about the the whole thing was that uh, you know these what we think of as these classically large major silos who really are in it to own all the data are actually even remotely contemplating uh, simple data portability from one setup to another. Yeah, but that doesn't mean if you create that sort of division, if you couldn't have it transfer somewhere else. Yeah. And again, why not? I know how many times I've wanted to take my stuff out of places. Mm -hmm. And it did prompt me to look uh, at uh, Google Takeout again. And I found some things that maybe I want to extract and uh, bundle up. So that one interested me. Now there was, you know, of course, a building blocks. And then we got to badges. We're on our second badges conversation at a, a New York Indie web camp. But not talked about outside of New York? Oh, well, see, it's sort of the thing. Um, at, I think it was two years ago, it was uh, Jess Klein, who showed up again this time, who wanted to talk about uh, the idea of um, endorsements, assertions, basically, how do you, um, using your website, uh, create that type of, recommendation and then you had uh, Greg McFerry who wanted to talk about badges as sort of a you know a more visual proof of that and mm-hmm. then then we got into the third part of it which was uh, indie um uh the indie web version of Pokemon Go <laughs> so what all these things have in common is that um they are a way to you know, and I wrote it up you know my way as an assertion workflow because I was not going to necessarily uh, make it a game. Um, games are fun. So uh, the example was somebody attends a work, uh, remote session, RSVPs in the event, makes a badge type that uh, lists criteria evidence, sends a web mention, then decides to display badge on conference attendee page. Mm-hmm. So I tried to do it as an assertion workflow, whereas other people tried to do it as a badge, but it's all the same sort of thing. How do you write this up and I started with one idea and then I was iterating on it and I came up with something that I have not implemented. So this is the second time I have not implemented an idea related to, again, the general concept of an assertion. But you've got all the groundwork laid. Well, someday I'll do it. Or a big chunk. Because my my version, my version was somebody posts 
um, and I was looking at uh, uh, Greg's example of what he was trying to do in the most general terms, which is posting criteria for an achievement. Mm -hmm. So this is wants to certify that somebody completed something. Somebody completes it, and then the badge is a post on a website that is a review of the URL of the assignment. So, so would that does that mean they would be using H review? Yes. So my, you know, and I iterated on this after talking to a lot of people because I had ideas, and then um, there were a bunch of conversations. Was criteria are posted to it as a unique page, so that does not have to. That is one post. Assignment mm -hmm. is another post. The badge assertion endorsement, whatever it is, is another post, which is an H review with a P item property to. The student's URL. So basically, it's a review of what the student did, and then the question is, how do you relate that back to the original assertion? Basically, the page that was the criteria, yeah, or multiple pages. And the idea was that's in reply to. Originally, I asked if it needed a new property, but there was a discussion, and an existing property works. Mm -hmm. So you have an H review that is in reply to one thing, but is in an, but the item to which it is it is reviewing is another item. There's your relationship. It's an H review with two different properties. Mm. But then you have the reverse one, which is somebody creates one of these assertion posts, namely, I am the, uh, I am able to cook wonderful waffles. Mm -hmm. Is the example. And then somebody, and they somehow request endorsement of that statement, which is still missing a methodology. And invites other people using, we would assume, the inviting property that's used for RSVPs to actually endorse it. And then people basically review it. Or you could leave that piece out. Well, if it were done in, you know, Greg McVary's classroom example, typically a teacher would be watching all of the progress and know, yes, in fact, the student has yeah. without an implicit back and forth. Well, I'm thinking of the sort of LinkedIn example where that you know you invite people to review your credentials. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of it in both directions. Yeah. Well, in, a, in the full layout of everything. So if you didn't implement what you did, and I, you know, as I recall, I think a few people worked on implementing some of the game pieces. Yeah. So based on your breakout of three pieces of Jess's piece, Greg's badge piece, and then the yeah. I was just trying to figure out how would that end up the, being the marked game, up. The game version. Which of did anybody implement chunks or pieces of either of those three pieces? I forget. Um, I know that some people actually did um, do some work in this area, but I don't know if it actually resulted in anything that you could. Act. I think there was sort of like a very simple proof of concept, but I don't think there was anything that would show. <laughs> bigger use. Now there is an assertion page on the wiki now uh, which talks about um, references, badges, endorsements, verification and the questions raised in the brainstorming. So maybe at some point there will be a yeah. actual building of that. Well, I know Greg's had some reasonable pieces for some of the badge part yeah. At least in a classroom setting. 
up um, and kind of working. I think they need some edges rounding off. Possibly. Well, maybe it will be ready in time for his new upcoming indie web camp in New Haven. I'm not sure if you caught that there will be a indie web camp New Haven. I heard chat about it, but I haven't seen specific dates thrown out yet. Uh, apparently he has dates. Uh, let me see if it went up because he was going to put the page up. I know he didn't the last time I looked. But he said in chat when the date was going to be. It's sometime in April. I uh, know he I don't think he's gotten to the actual page yet. But if I remember correctly, it it, it should be um April something. He okay. announced it in the indie web chat. So That's the nice thing about having a searchable chat. Yeah, I've been... Uh, here we are. I have confirmed um, Indie Web Camp New Haven for April 12th and 13th. Nice. He said that four days ago, and I keep... Mean, um, I looked, and I will likely drive up and secure local lodging. Connecticut in the spring is a good place to go. Well, I used to commute up to East Haven uh, every weekend. That was mm-hmm. when I, I used to volunteer at the Shoreline Trolley Museum. Well, I'll give uh, Greg my uh, JG Mac 1106++. Well, you could... Verbally. Well, you could also attend. You are always welcome in New Haven, oh, I'm sure. I have some friends in Connecticut that uh, were long overdue to visit, so... We may have to make that happen. Well, it'll be nice to see. Maybe someday we'll have another indie web camp LA. We're working on that. We're working on it. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about it. Oh, no. Anyway. You couldn't. Um, so there was a session on lear- learning to build a basic site, and um, which was interesting. Um, I was in there um, as was Greg. Um, and then there was one I saw on notifications and readers. Yeah, I bookmarked the reader session, which I think got uh, videotaped, but I have yet to play the catch-up to delve into that. Yeah, well, there have been a lot of reader sessions lately and a lot going on in readers. And I know I've been uh, not working on a reader, but I've been working on pieces that could be used inside a reader. So um, Postkinds, the plugin that I've been sort of writing for, what now, four years, um, has a parsing component, which I, after the summit, decided to break out into its own library, uh, which is called Parse This. It's a reference to Press This, which is the uh, now defunct piece of WordPress that that used to do um, bookmarklets. Well, not technically default. They just they kind of took it out of core, but it's still and in promised, core. Well, they took it out of core and promised to maintain it, but it has not been maintained. Yeah. So I'm saying defunct in the sense that it is not being iterated on, despite the promise of it being iterated on. Mm-hmm. So um, parse this is meant to sort of be something that's being iterated on. And... The idea that I had was, since um, I found out that it was being that the code was already being used in the Yarns micro sub um, endpoint work, 
was to be was to make it the basis for any sort of uh, micro formats or other parsing within WordPress rather than reproducing the code because mm-hmm. semantic link backs has micro formats par- parsing code post guides has that code and microsub has that code so why should there be three different versions of the same code and if you're using press this then you have yet another well yeah but pseudo version that's different well actually i've i rewrote the code completely so it was originally based on um, part of press this but i took a lot of that out and re you know pulled the thing out from scratch so there's still some so so in order what does it prioritize in terms of looking at because as i recall it looks at Microformats. It looks at open graph. Well, it looks at microformats, and if microformats has sufficient properties, it never looks at anything else. Okay. Uh, but if it's missing certain fields, then it automatically jumps to try to do open graph and meta tags, and then it converts them. It's also uh, JF2 compliant. So the previous version was not uh, as strict as it could be. So now it outputs straight JF2, which is what would be needed for a microsub endpoint. Yeah. It also has a function to convert to MF2, so microformats JSON, so it can actually output anything. And uh, it solved another problem because I was not strictly storing things as microformats to JSON, and now I am going forward. And does it look at any other alternate data like RSS feeds or... That has, well, JSON it depends. Feeds. If we're talking, if we're talking about what happened in September, no. But my project for Indie Web Camp Berlin was actually adding RSS feed support, so it now does actually okay. do that. Okay. Um, then it does RSS feed. It does JSON feed. It does feed okay. discovery. So if you install the um, the repository version of Parse This, you'll see that okay. it's not merged with anything except yarns. Because he's he's been testing it, but and is there any uh, any possible support for uh, things like Activity Pub off in the future? I have not uh, put that on the in the list of issues, but it's not. I I will parse anything if I can figure out how. How? Yeah, that's but, the or knowing knowing that it exists and then figuring out how to do it and then build it in, or even you know. Well, not not everybody supports all these things evenly. So, in the case of even a, a WordPress site, well, you my, may have. Well, my goal was to to have something built into WordPress that did the same sort of work that um, Aaron Parecki's X-ray does, which is you send in a URL and it sends back something useful. Yeah. So I don't really care what type of URL it is. Now there are a bunch of other tweaks that have to go in now. Now. For example, that same package bundles MF2 post, which is a, a wrapper that will take a WordPress post object and output it as microformats. Without that, I wouldn't be able to do post kinds because that's actually one of the core classes used in there. Mm-hmm. It was originally built in. I actually moved it over to the library. So there may be more of those classes coming in too. So there was a lot of work done to make everything work with microformats and layer that on top of WordPress. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what else happens with that. But uh, today, 
What did I get them? Today I had it start working on HFeed because previously it would ignore HFeeds entirely. And if you're trying to build a feed reader, ignoring HFeed is sort of not <laughs> helpful. Well, at least starting with RSS is, is sometimes useful, and then HFeed is a very definitely a good. Well, it, uh, um, the new code does feed discovery. And if you install the GitHub repository, which will can it coexist with the as a separate plugin, even with PostKinds installed, mm-hmm. then what you end up being able to do is there are now check buttons in the parse this debugger that one that does feed discovery. So if you pass it a URL, it'll return what feeds are on that page. If you pass it an RSS feed, it'll turn it into micro formats. Actually, let's see. Either micro formats to JSON or JF2, depending on what setting you have. Mm-hmm. And I go farther than most people. My, RS, well, my RSS conversion actually factors in um, latitude and longitude if it's in somebody's RSS feed. Oh, there you go. If it's if it's there, I will try to parse it. No altitude yet? Uh, well, altitude is another one that I worked on since the last episode of the show. Uh, the new vert, um, I actually released, what was it, um, three different projects um, in terms of updates. Um, version two of the Micropub plugin, I finally just gave up and released it. And is there, have there been any cries of Horrible file? Uh, no, but there have been three bug fix submissions. So okay. me asking for beta testers for a month and a half didn't apparently do anything. But me releasing the thing has got, have gotten people to actually step up and tell me what some of the minor problems are. Yeah. So I have a I have to do a fix on that and on Indie Auth, which also got some minor bug fixes in the last few days. So as people have been noticing problems, they've actually been telling me, which helps. But, That's half the battle. Yeah. Then I had I had to stop doing what I was doing because of a uh, simple location crisis. Well, let's let's stop for a second because this push you just made to 2.0, yeah, was a, a huge milestone that you've been working on since July at least, if not before. Yeah, it was a rewrite of the whole thing. Now, um, to be fair, um, none of the core functionality was rewritten. So while there were a bunch of bug fixes and a bunch of rewrites, uh, the only real feature enhancement was that there is a media endpoint now. Everything everything else was structural. That's a pretty big piece, too. Although, you know, building it to dovetail directly into WordPress, I think, will make things a lot easier, particularly for those who are developing in the WordPress space. Well, that's one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do it. Um, And the decision came after I had a conversation at the summit that the code didn't work like a WordPress file. And part of that was um, Ryan, again, much to his credit for writing it, doesn't develop for WordPress. So he developed something, again, did it without, you know, by looking stuff up without necessarily looking at how things work in the WordPress ecosystem. And now this works within the WordPress ecosystem for better or for worse, because there are certainly pros and cons to that. Mm -hmm. So the new code logs somebody in to WordPress, whereas the previous code found out what user um, 
mapped to the in, um, to basically the URL from IndieAuth and then just assign that user. It didn't actually try to log the user in. Mm-hmm. So for a bunch of reasons, I wanted to make sure that the user actually logged in and that any function running during that process showed that the current user was whoever was actually making the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I got tired of the endpoint being um, a query string. <laughs> but that's more stylistic than anything else. Right. So everything works within the WordPress ecosystem. It also makes it much easier to extend. And probably if I go back and tackle some more stuff, it'll be a lot easier because of the rewrite. Well, you know, sooner or later, it's going to let somebody uh, turn Gutenberg into a, you know, micropub client. Uh, I will stay out of the Gutenberg space. Um, <laughs> I probably will end up having to do something with Gutenberg at some point. Although they keep pushing it back. Yeah, but I will probably have to do something. Yeah. But the media endpoint uh, is sort of a nice feature. And with Indigenous for Android, which is my mobile platform, iterating on a lot of features as well, it made it really easy to write enhancements. Yeah. So have you been using Yarns directly or natively on your install or even on one of your test sites? Actually, no. I tested it once, but I have not been using it. Okay. I've been so working... as, you're, as you're building the parsing piece, you're not actually... Uh, no, I've, I'm just parsing stuff right now. Okay. I will probably commit uh, um, some... I did send some pull requests over, but... I wanted to focus on other things. Okay, so you got uh, the MicroPub piece done. I know there were a bunch of changes and tweaks to simple location. Well, um, it was because I was going to Germany. So, oh, so yeah, things had broken, so you needed to get your your ability to post locations as you traveled. Well, I was I was very annoyed. It started with again Indigenous for Android. So Indigenous for Android came out um, with a feature that I had built into the MicroPub endpoint, uh, which was called location visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so I convinced him to put in location, namely a button to actually look up the location and send it, and a second feature called location visibility. Now this was a proposed extension to MicroPub as a command. So MicroPub supports command entries, and one of them being um, this one, MP location visibility, which says whether or not the location isn't going to be, by default, public, if it's going to be private, as in not shown but sent, or protected, which is the, the word that I use in simple location, which is a textual-based location but not actually showing the coordinates. So this one was important for me because that's something I wanted. Yeah. So you essentially can check in at home, but without giving away your home address. Yeah, and I have ideas for simple location to actually do um, zones. So a zone would be an area where you save a coordinate and say, if you're in this area, automatically do not show where it is. Just show the textual description. Yeah. 
so it's kind of like here's the neighborhood where i'm at but i'm not you know i'm in brooklyn but you don't know on which block or where specifically yeah so that's geofencing but i have not implemented that but it's on my list somewhere so i st- I'm, i did my first test of location uh, he um he released it and i took a walk in my neighborhood to a local um like a street where there are a bunch of stores mm-hmm. and I was sitting there and I was testing this cause I wanted to have it work from a place I, other than my house, not because mm-hmm. I'm, of posting my home location, but because I wanted to get different data and it didn't, it did not show anything. So I discovered that Naminitim, who, which I've been using for the reverse lookup had blocked me for abuse. <laughs> now bear in mind, I was looking up like one thing, uh, in a blue moon. So I don't know what abuse I was doing. I did send them an email asking them to explain to me what it was, but they haven't responded to this day, and it's been over a month. Oh, jeez. So I'm of the opinion they're not going to, so I needed to find some new providers. So I rewrote the entire provider system in simple location. Huh. A, sim- a simple camp weekend, right? Uh, well, I don't remember exactly how. I'd have to look at the logs to see exactly how long that actually took me. But a simple location actually has a bunch of different types of providers. For example, it has the the geo provider, which looks up location data. So you can take in a coordinate and get an address. It has the map provider, which you give it coordinates and it returns a static map URL. And how many map providers are built in? Five, four or five? More now. Okay, even more. Okay. Yeah, so then it has the weather provider, of which at the time before I started this, there was only one. And it has a a fourth provider that um, does location lookup. Right now, there actually are no bundled location providers. So this is one where if instead of you wanting to get your location in the back using HTML5 um, geolocation, which is your browser, Mm -hmm. uh, you could actually put in a different provider that would get it from a server. So there are no providers bundled in because you'd have to have a server that supported this. But I'll give you an example. Um, Aaron Parecki has a server called Compass. It's one of his many prolific products where um, he has a program on his phone that sends location to the server, and you can query the server for your current location or your historic location. So I built in a feature where I could add a provider other than it looking it up in the browser. Mm-hmm. And or even something like you know, Foursquare, if Foursquare wanted to provide that as a service. Well, um, Google. Or I got to imagine tra- Google. Google is tracking my location. There are ways to get that information. So you could even install an app on your phone. could send it to a server similar to what Aaron does. But I Mm -hmm. have it in there even though I'm not currently using it. So I abstracted everything out. So all these providers are now very easy to build. For example, I put in Dark Sky as an alternate weather provider. Writing the Dark Sky code, uh, not counting the icons, which I realized later I have to release an update to make sure the icons map correctly, because they currently don't. It took me about 15 minutes because I made writing a provider that easy. 
you write what? one basically you write one function and a bunch of strings. Now I've been doing this already because somebody kept creating custom post cons. Uh, uh, so yeah, I've heard, I've heard I've heard some you know rumors out in the wild, but I've yet to see any show up on my own radar. Yeah, nudge nudge. So I actually wrote re, when I was doing work on post cons, I rewrote it to actually allow you to register a um, register a kind. So as a function. You answer a few questions in the function, and it will just do all the rest of the work for you. And at some point, I'll be enhancing that. Um, I did not write a release post on that, because right after that, somebody said I should start writing release posts, so I did. Whenever I do a major release, I'm now writing a note on my website. Yeah. Gives you content to put out there. Yeah, so because I was re I was redoing all this provider stuff, I found a replacement for Naminitim, namely Naminitim. I found out that the people at MapQuest actually have a Nominitim API. Oh, nice. So I added a API key, and then I added um, Bing and Google as alternatives. So my goal is that I will never um, lose services because my site will always have at least three different choices. So... Yeah. Uh, then, because I got MapQuest in there um, and I applied for a MapQuest API key, MapQuest is now a map provider. And uh, then I was watching Peter Molnar um, talk about elevation. So, um, all of my the providers that look up uh, address coordinates will mm -hmm. also cal um, if you don't provide altitude, they will calculate the elevation based on their respective elevation APIs and add the elevation. In. And how accurate is that usually? Doesn't matter. It was just for fun. Okay, so you're or, not you're not actually using elevation yet. Oh well, well, I am actually because um, if you're um, it's currently set as an experiment. If you're over 500 meters, it will automatically display the altitude. Okay. Um, in the next version, I probably should make that user configurable, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've only altitude significantly to notice that in there. Yeah, so there's only one altitude post on my website where I deliberately hand coded uh, being on a plane. Okay. And then realized that there was a bug. If you hand code altitude but don't hand code your actual location, it wasn't displaying properly. So I had to go and fix it. But that's the advantage of going on a trip. One of the reasons I wanted this fixed before I went to Berlin is I intended to do a lot of being in different places in Berlin. So if you look That's at my it. website, you would see me being in a lot of different places. Oh, yeah. Every 20 minutes, it seems like. And it looks like you had a lot of fun while you were on your little mini vacation. Um, well, I, I tried to. Um, I'm not really good at vacation. So are you... Um... Are you using uh, indigenous for all of this location stuff now? Or are you still uh, using uh, pesos from Foursquare and Swarm? Right now it is Swarm, but it will not okay. always be. That's on my list. Because it, se it seemed like for some reason when I looked you up on Swarm the other day, your last Swarm check-in was somewhere around the summit. So I thought maybe perhaps you had switched over to... No, I'm, 
Uh, no, I would love it if it was native, but I haven't gotten there yet. There's okay. a lot I'd have to build to really make that effective. And I always reconsider how I'm building things. For example, um, venue. I have to decide if I want to do it the way I originally thought or a different way. Uh, but I, um, I also put in here as a map provider. Nobody uh, seems to have yeah, heard, of never heard of here before. Uh, former Nokia property. H-E-R-E, I yeah. presume? Okay. Yeah, you can look them up. But there was a there were a bunch of other things. Somebody found out that Jetpack added location services. So apparently in 2017, long after I started writing location um, applications for WordPress, uh, Jetpack put in a little thing that actually adds location in. So I had to, I had to, I didn't notice this. Did they actually display it anywhere? Uh, if your theme declared support for it. And since nobody really was told about it, I don't think anybody declared support for it. That's interesting. And my, my guess is, um, uh, what's his name? Who's a developer. Brandon on Kraft. And, yeah. Has you are correct. Um, he but was not the only person the... involved, but he did comment on it. He, oh, so he didn't write the code directly for backend services that he's been building separately. Uh, no, this was just basically there should be a simple way to display it. So there was a conflict because we were both adding GeoRSS into the RSS feeds, and therefore the RSS feeds were not validating correctly. Huh. So now a simple location will unload the conflicting Jetpack module. But it, I did actually make sure that they had feature parity. I read the code. And it matches exactly. Nice. Well, I know at some point WordPress.com sites had some location. Yeah, this was meant to be availability. And this this is all WordPress.org to bring that over through Jetpack. That was the idea, yeah. Okay. But now no more conflict because I no longer load their code. I deliberately unload it. And my guess is your code does 10 times more in any case. I have five different map providers. I hope so. <laughs> um, also, there were a bunch of other little fixes. If there's no address to display, it displays the coordinates. So, oh, that's yeah. nice. So in the event that the address system fails again and yeah. one of the five providers isn't working, it will also do um, actual coordinate display. Slick. So now if you've got API keys for multiple setups and one fails, does it automatically no. go to backups or you have to do that manually? That you'd have to do manually. Or at least at, at present. I felt that just um, because of the of the complexity of that, I figured it wasn't worth it. Well, my guess too is the average user is probably not going to go out and register for six different API keys for things that they probably are not foreseeably going to use in the near or even long-term future probably not um let's see what else um i mean i think i i did at one point for several of them just mostly for testing for your well if you want to see what each of them looks like because each of them does return different data and admittedly i could make uh my usage of their data better well and some of them too if i remember the some of the map providers do different views whether it's a satellite view or a street level view. Or... Yeah, and I tried to actually account for those by um, style is the setting in, in there that allows you to change the views, which would change them globally. Yeah. 
and uh, now the default uh, location visibility um, checkbox was replaced with a pull down so you can choose whether or not your posts are private, public, or protected by default, which nice. was a feature you requested, I believe. Mm, yeah, probably. Or it seemed like a logical thing to have. And there may be more that I'm going to do. Does that mean we have the ability to add a map or not add a map? Yep, basically. For each and by default. Um, Admittedly, I'd like to put a little more logic behind it. Yeah, or by in a general sense, by default, and then on a per post basis. Yeah, you can override it on a per post basis. This is what it will be when you pull it up. If it if you don't set the the property, what will it be? Yeah. So for things like uh. Uh, you know, micro pub clients that send data, that data. Yeah, it'll use whatever the default is, unless you have a location visibility a micro pub client, of which there's only one right now. Yeah, fortunately, it's the one I'm using. But, <laughs> uh, but also, it'll automatically uh, generate a display address if none is provided. It also will now automatically store the current weather conditions. Although I've seen some bugginess on that, I have to go back. So that worked out really nicely. So. Um, There's one weather condition I think you're missing, actually, as I think of it this week. Uh, Mostly it's based on where I live. Air quality? Um, Well, there's an air quality piece to it, but there's also, you know, one might also consider weather out here to be fire, and I I don't think most weather providers consider that as a a weather condition. Well, actually, you'd be surprised. Um, They do (laughs) actually have something in their uh, open weather map, which is the first one I implemented. Um, I think it does have something for um, like atypical situations like that. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't, or maybe I just haven't seen it. Now, when we get to the point that brimstone becomes a weather condition, then you know we've got other problems. But pretty much. But um, I will, I will see what I can do. You know, because I, I did think about that. You know, I'm almost close enough to some areas this week as I've been moving around that I did think. I'm just hey, making you know, a note of this. Be interesting to have that that weather, that fire weather condition. Yep, but it's one that doesn't obviously pop up very often. I'm just making a note of it to remind myself the next time that I'm working on that code. Yeah. Or maybe it fits into the visibility category. I guess. Yeah, visibility is um, is easy to do because a lot of things have that. But... I don't know. I'm almost positive that I have a fire icon. Okay. I'll have to go back and double check then. No, I'm saying it's one of the icons that came with my icon set. Oh, okay. So if there are fire conditions, I could display them, but uh, so let's see what else. Um, So because I had been doing um, that, I went back to a project that I had been putting off. I just rewrote all these, this provider code. So I went into syndication links and rewrote the provider code that I'd been working on in there. So now syndication links has a very easy to use provider code. Wait, so how does that work though? Okay, so well, there, give me an example of where where that fits in or where we might well, use I, that. Okay, well, provider code um, as I do it is that it implements um, a common set of functions where the thing calling it doesn't need to know what it's actually doing. So it makes it really easy to add new providers to not just simple location, but to syndication links. So I just, um, 
I believe um, Ryan Barrett does this in Bridgie where the you can add a new thing to Bridgie very easily because he's set it up to integrate for a nice yeah. should you want it. So what I did was I wrote a, it's basically an abstract class that you implement as an interface. Okay, so as an example, I know there's an open issue in Jetpack to allow something similar to syndication links to happen. Well, so if, it is, if Jetpack added that piece, they could then use leverage this class or well, this class is to actually to... do actually do the syndication, not to pull back the data. Two different okay. Things. Remember, pulling back the data and taking it from other plugins is a different set of code that I wrote. Admittedly, I could probably make that um, streamline it a bit. So this, this is just on of, the this is on the sending thing. part, not on the receiving part. Okay. Yes. Although the the sending part does actually receive. Once you send something, it does pull back the the URL and actually save it. So this. Okay. So what I did was not only did I create a a syndication provider class, but I created a web mention provider class that is a descendant of the syndication provider. So any because of that, I could write a web mention based syndication program in a few minutes. So Indie News and Bridgie Publish work exactly the same way. They're both inherited off of the same code. The only difference, okay. the only difference being that Bridgie has some optional settings that if you use a Bridgie-based provider, it will add these settings to allow you to customize it. So if somebody like uh, Brad Enslin wanted to add a piece to be able to syndicate to IndieWeb.xyz, as an example, it was suggested. If if it hasn't been suggested, I would yeah. presume somewhere that's popped up. But yeah, the only that would issue with indieweb.xyz, if you read how to actually post on there, uh, what you need is you write you write everything out. You put in the um, but you have to in order to make it work. You have to um, add a link in the blog entry to the sub that you actually want to post to mm-hmm. uh, for or the example, category yes so that is a little more complicated the question is how to do that in the interface because right now the way that um, syndication and syndication links is designed it's designed like a micropub um, target in fact mm-hmm. it implements micropub targets so if anything that's added as a syndication provider to syndication links will appear as a micropub target in any micropub client. That was part of the major rewrite. Yeah. Where I wanted to make it so that anything that worked in the in the back end of WordPress would also work in micropub and it would work the same way. That's why Bridgie Publish sort of had to the plugin had to die. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't designed that way. It was designed before we implemented some of those features. So for uh, news.indieweb.org, it's only a been by, well, but but by default, it's only publishing to the English version. Uh, well, actually, no, it's publishing to whatever um, language your website is set to. Okay, so if you're writing in German, it's going to automatically default to. Yeah, right now there's um, it is okay. not set to allow you to post to multiple languages on the theory that that's a little more complicated than most people need. Okay. 
This is going to say if you solve it for that one, then you could potentially solve it for IndieWeb.xyz. Well, but Sebastian Gregor um, gave me an idea without meaning to. Um, he hacked together um, something that looked a lot like uh, the Bridgie Publish interface. Mm-hmm. But when you click in, when you're in the back end and you click the syndication target in the back end, it automatically expanded to show boxes below it that you could customize it with. Hmm. Which would work, however, it would not work in Micropub because yeah. Micropub doesn't support additional options for syndication targets. It would only support it if it was if each option was a different syndication target. Yeah, and if you did that for Indie, uh, it was an IndieWeb.xyz. Mm-hmm. Then um, think of how long your syndication target list is. Yeah. Now the logical thing to do, and I don't know why. IndieWeb.xyz didn't do this is that it should read a it should read your designated categories and match them up to subs, mm-hmm. which would... or potential subs whether the site itself has them or not. And I don't know if he's got that kind of functionality if you yeah. can create a new category on his site or the aggregation site by sending. Yeah, a... that's why I, I sort of wanted to. You can't pulse. You can only post to one sub, and if you post to multiple subs, the additional ones are marked as cross posts, which no one sees as default by yeah, default. Yeah. So there has to be a way to do this in markup, which would be easier. And I may suggest it at some point. Yeah. Well, my guess is based on iterations I've seen Kix Condor build into that over yeah. the last six or eight months. If you had a conversation, it would probably be. Yeah. As I said, um, probably the logical thing to do is to make it so that there's another way to send that information in rather than just making it in the link. Mm-hmm. Or I could read it from the post itself and figure out what sub it was to go into. But either way, that's a long-term problem. So that's the the third major release of the last few weeks. Yeah, And that one was officially released um, while I was actually in Berlin. I sent out the first version of the code from... Um, from my hotel room the night that I arrived. And then I did some bug fixes immediately because some things came up. Well, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it there is that I I tend to post a lot when I'm on a trip and I tend to post a lot less when I'm at home. Yeah. Hmm. You've been busy. Well, I try to be. But now... Again, I can post to IndieWeb.org. I can post to um, anything that Bridgie can post to. And I can post... What does Bridgie post to? Is it just Twitter right now? Uh, Twitter, Flickr, and GitHub. Oh, it does do GitHub. Okay. Yeah, so that works fine now. And the whole thing is, if I wanted to, let's say... Um, get a Twitter API library. And I can make a provider that didn't use web mentions. I started with the web mention providers, but I could. Mm-hmm. I, if I found a plugin that made it really easy to call whatever class they used, yeah, I could have where it would automatically, if that plugin was installed, add this interface. And the interface is meant to be the simplest one possible. So it is a bunch of checkboxes. And the checkboxes do not save state. So once you check them, the next time you go in, they're unchecked. 
Now, uh, that may change in the future slightly, but I don't want to save whether or not they're checked or not for various reasons. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. reproduce a standard micropub interface, which is you check it, it goes out. Yeah, and then resets the next time. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to uh, build an interface for something like Mastodon or something in the Fediverse, they used ActivityPub. It would be a lot more straightforward to do that now than it was two months ago. Well, that was the hope that anything you wanted to do. So I wanted to do um, one of the things I considered making my project in, in WebCamp Berlin was um, posse to a uh, pinboard. Since I do store a lot of bookmarks in pinboard, and one of the things on my list has always been to stop doing that mm-hmm. to keep them on my website. Um, but that's um, sparked a whole conversation while walking to Hack Day with the person I was sharing a room with. And then as we were walking, we came across another indie web attendee having coffee and co-opted him into the conversation. And where did it go off the rails? Uh, well, um, Pinboard has a property, uh, whether you read something or you didn't read something. Mm. Uh, how to actually uh, map that to microformats was a uh, question that had a lot of uh, back and forth discussion. So there were a few options there. Uh, one being that once you read the thing, you flipped it from being a bookmark post to being a red post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I saw some conversation in the chat. Yeah, I continued that conversation. Well, I, I brought Gregor into it because um, he'd been talking about this in regards to IndieBookClub.biz. Yeah. So he's switching over to a different way of doing it by making it a category. As in read, unread. Yeah. But still keeping separate read posts and bookmark posts or no? He's not doing um, read posts and bookmark posts per se. Um, He's not doing bookmark posts. He's just doing read posts. Mm -hmm. Because that's what IndieBookClub.biz does. But I'm trying to do the entire workflow. So I did sort of uh, put off the problem for a bit. I have a few other things to take care of. Yeah, because I thought I thought about that back in 2016, I think, when I started doing read posts. I think before Postkinds, maybe before Postkinds supported it or not. I can't remember. I think you started it um, beforehand, and I think I added it. And I debated whether I would go back and change old posts. So, But typically, I've been, I'll bookmark something as I want to read it. And usually I'll use that as a tag of, I want to read this, and then later on I can remove it. Well, that's sort that of the one question. Tag. That's sort of the question. Should you Would you flip the URL from being a bookmark post to being a red post, or would you create a new post and web mention the original post? Yeah, I think I my preference, I think, would be to keep the original as an original. That way you've got the ability to go back and and compare um although i typically i haven't as i finished reading things i'll go in and change tags for old bookmarks indicating that they were read yeah and I'm, I'm not very good at doing read posts and web mentioning the old bookmark posts so that it shows up as a comment i've done that a couple of times but i don't think i do it consistently well no. 
Um, I decided in order to do that, I have to solve a citation question that I've been debating, which is whether or not I should store citations separate from the post, mm. which would be interesting in itself. Um, this is basically um, the equivalent of the old WordPress links manager. Yeah. So citations, not bookmarks specifically, would be their own um, storage methodology that would be linked to posts the same way attachments are. They would never show on their own. That's interesting. But they technically have their own URL. Well, that I, you know, I know a huge chunk of academia that would who love would that. Yeah. flip over if you did that. That's why and, I considered doing it. Um, and g- given your librarian background. Yes, I am. I admit to being a frustrated archivist and librarian. <laughs> frustrated Actually, in the sense that I don't do the stuff that I. I still intellectually enjoy it, but I do not do it professionally. So I do it a lot in my, in my hobbies. I like to store things and I like to cite things and I like to reference things and I like to keep the storage in a certain way. Yeah. But, um, I have a few crazy ideas to explore. Um, you'll, you'll appreciate it, uh, given your background, but I, I saw somebody post a status update the other day that essentially said, um, Again, I don't butcher the the language they use, but they said, you know, quite often I feel like I'm not cool enough because I'm not an archivist. Archivists are cool. I'll agree with that. And that being the, you know, the end, the end, the end statement. But they, you know, they were like, you know, I wish I was an archivist, but I'm not. So I'm not cool, therefore. And since we were talking about what happened at, Indie web camps, I'm sort of going to settle back to Nuremberg. So Nuremberg occurred um, October 20th and 21st. Um, that would have been at um, Tollworks in, um, on, uh, let me see if my German is getting better, uh, Klingenhofstrasse. I'm still not good at German. Okay, anyway. Um, but there, um, they had a lot of uh, cross-contamination with uh, Berlin, so several people who were there I got to meet. This is almost the second year in a row that they've done those two camps about roughly a week apart. Well, um, I do want to give credit to the individuals in Germany for um, their organization. That was um, They were some of the most organized events I've seen. So they did a, a session on microformats, which is always nice to see a nice microformat session. Um, Storage, um, YAML, XML, etc. Um, MicroPub endpoints. And uh, what else happened? Um, offline as a service, uh, indie strategy, discussion and brainstorming, automated indie auth, which is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting discussions. As um, I have, There was one on geodata and maps that I sort of uh, slept through. <laughs> No, I, um, as, in, as in you were there and you attended, but you dozed off, or you were uh, well, asleep. No. And you uh, well, no, I was watching the live stream, um, and I hadn't really gotten up yet because of the time. Yeah, and that um, so you sort of um, I was typing in the chat, and they were commenting on it, but I did not actually appear on video or audio because that would have involved me getting out of bed. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was just I had my phone there and I was listening. Anyway, and some some days that's my favorite part about the indie web is you can do it all in your pajamas. 
I enjoyed my pajamas sometimes. There was also an accessibility uh, one, uh, one on search and one on web sub and readers. Now, some of those I still have to go back and watch, including the one that I was sort of half awake for, um, which was the automated indie auth. Yeah. Now, that particular concept was later demoed at uh, Berlin. Yeah, I've got to play some catch up on the all the German activity in the last two two weeks. Well, not just that. Um, I know you've been a little busy, so there's a lot of things that have been going on that you might find interesting. Yeah, that's what happens when we get busy. But you're busy. You're busy all the time. Well, yeah, but I do try to keep up. Sometimes I'm luckier than others, though. Um, so then we got to Berlin. Berlin, there was a session on indie web for WordPress, which was not really recorded because it was just me talking. I always volunteer to do one, and I always hope that nobody wants me to. <laughs> and it never happens. Well, the thing is, even if there's just one person, I'll still have the conversation. So I sort of went over, I pulled out one of my test sites and went over how you would make it indie web friendly in the space of a few minutes. So in the space of a 45-minute period, I sort of went over every single indie web tool, and I really should record that at some point. It's that's a hard thing to do in forty five minutes. Let me tell you, even d- doing a you know a one or two minute overview for each of the individual moving parts, because I essentially did something roughly equivalent to that at WordCamp Riverside. Yeah, and remember, uh, um, there are probably things about those plugins that I could say that um, people don't realize. Oh yeah, as uh, it, um off as that can be I, I should make that my documentation a lot better but there are little subtle things that i'm i never realized until i talk about them that other people didn't notice yeah but i did that and there were people there even people who use the plugins who were sort of saying oh yeah that's why that works that way well there are pieces now too where i've written posts that go back a year and a half or two and some of them even cover little bits and pieces of some of these hidden functionalities, but you've either, either overwritten or changed or subtly changed some of the pieces that I, I you know, I need to go back yeah. and rewrite those things well, literally I, from scratch now. Well, I try to make things better. Um, sometimes, yes. Um, and the media functionality I put into PostKind still needs a little more work because it isn't working exactly the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a stub in there um, to do a lot more with that, to add um, microformats to attachments. Yeah. I started with that. Uh, For example, when you upload an attachment to WordPress, it gathers a lot of metadata, which I told the system if it found certain things to rewrite them into the attachment in the microformats property that would be appropriate so they could be found. That's what gave mm-hmm. me the idea to do citations that way. Oh, yeah, that's slick. Yeah, if it works, it works. I hope it works. Um, well, that's one of the things. Do you, so we, uh, even there with things like media and micro formats and uh, things like post kinds, so this will tie out a bunch of our conversation tonight together. Um, so when I post listens, if the parser could actually take the page, parse it, and find the MP3 file for the audio, because one of the things I found more often is you 
can go to the URL for an MP3 and play it with a most browser software will have a at least a, a functional player to play the thing. But typically when that happens, there's zero metadata that goes along with that MP3 yeah. file. That's usually found on the canonical page for the post itself that includes the MP3 file. Yeah, which but is an you, interesting thought because I did teach it to do some things with parsing um, audio files, but I didn't teach it to go back to the page to try to find that information. Um, and more often than not, typically a lot of pages, a lot of especially podcast providers typically tend to hide their MP3 file and go through all kinds of machination to, yeah. to hide it and keep but it out. But if you look, I, I've been very creative in trying to figure out what uh, links on a page are actually files by looking at the extensions. Yeah. Or even, even if you go to a page and it's got an RSS feed that says, here's our RSS feed, you can usually go to that and find that same title within the RSS feed that has a direct link to the MP3 file. Well, now, but you I don't par- think... now you can parse RSS feeds. Uh, that feature uh-huh. will be available in the next version of Postcons. So if you do that and that's built into the parse this, then suddenly you've got the ability for Postcons to have listens that include links to the audio file automatically. And I have to think about how that works, but we'll see what happens. But, they, you know, that's it's a tough piece because I know there are things, uh, you know, there are tools out there that do this already or even things like... Um, well, the next version of Postkinds has to do more with the media and the interface, but we'll see what it is. You know, even and I'm worried case. about the, the Gutenberg piece. Yeah. Not just um, how that's going to affect the whole process. So I have a whole list of things that may make it easier if I ever decide to address that issue. Well, I'm curious if anybody's looked at the piece of... It's a, to a great extent... Gutenberg is being pushed mostly by WordPress.com and a lot of the work's being done there on the corporate side rather than the community WordPress.org side, although... Yeah, which is uh, a source of a lot of tension. So I'm kind of curious because there aren't a lot of people, obviously, who are using postkinds with WordPress.com or my guess is if there's none uh, because you can't install a third-party plugin on WordPress.com. Well, you can, but you got to pay a lot of money to do it. Yeah, so that's why a lot of people there aren't doing it. People on other oh. hosting sites are. But I, I'm my guess is that those who are using things like Postkinds or using an indie web workflow are probably more often using, you know, MicroPub as their solution rather than worrying about things like Gutenberg. I'm prepared for that. Um, that's why you see me doing a lot more that works better with MicroPub, which actually was another um, session that I proposed at Berlin uh, called MicroPub Post Posse Repeat. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about workflow. Yeah. So the whole idea was, well, how, you know, if you're in a MicroPub system, how do you start out with MicroPub, post your site, syndicate to other sites, and keep doing it? Because this is what I've been trying to get to for four years now. Mm-hmm. And notice, after four years, this stuff is finally starting to come together. Yeah. All the pieces seem like they're converging. And now somebody said, oh, why don't we build another piece? Namely, MicroSub. But, you know. 
So the is, industry is. I don't know how far away from micro sub would you say based on the givens? Uh, I don't know. Um, I've been watching the work, but there are issues. So he's getting to the point where it should be functional, but the amount of resources necessary to pull that many sites, if you have a lot of channels, yeah, is going to be an issue for many people's servers. Yeah, especially shared servers is yeah. my guess. So there After. are a lot of things that you know that we were brainstorming about how to reduce the polling. Mm-hmm. And that, that kept me busy while I was on the plane. Um, there was a lot of turbulence coming back, and I had Wi-Fi, so I was sitting there with my phone trying to sort of write these conversations on how to avoid uh, taxing the server. Mm-hmm. So it'd be how do you um, check the freq- how often something is updated, and then uh, reduce the frequency based on infrequent sites versus frequent ones. Then maybe you build in web sub support, and then you know, all these other things. That's a lot more complicated. So the question is, and I'll leave it up to him, will he release it with some of those questions um, as a 2.0 feature, or will he keep refining it until he's 100% sure that it's going? And that's a lot of questions, because also, if I were contributing more actively, there's things I I would do differently than him, but that's because I'm a different person. Yeah. And well, I don't know a, if I if I suggested some of those things if you'd want to do it a different way. It's a massively large piece of functionality, and well, well, there's I a had reason this, people this crazy are building this stuff every day. <laughs> well, I had this crazy idea, and whenever I have a crazy idea, it, it's usually a good one. Well, not necessarily. Um, so at one point, I um, talked him into instead of storing things in a custom table, storing um, readers um, entries as posts in a custom post type because they are posts just from somebody else's website. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of had this idea that if they're stored like a post where, with the content in the content section, etc., then if you wanted to do a repost, all it would have to do is change the post type. Hmm. Reposting would become really easy. Yeah. But um, that said... I don't well, know how that would work out. Also run into, there's a handful of, there's not many of them out there, but there's a handful of RSS feed readers that can, can be downloaded and used as plugins in the WordPress universe. And almost 201. Will you use what, PressForward? So PressForward's one of them. There's another one called Feed WordPress, I think. Yeah, and, I've seen uh, Feed almost, WordPress. Almost all of them indicate one of the first things you run across is you got to be careful the number of sources you're using because it's particularly on shared hosting they can use up so many resources it becomes a big crazy issue well that was the other crazy idea if this is so then, if the, if you um, set everything up as posts you could actually use and use mp destination which is an optional micropub edition you could actually have a third party server doing all of your polling and then posting it into your endpoint using micropope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is- that's what I was going to say. If you So if you have your, your own personal site running on one domain and then you have a separate domain and a separate instance of WordPress running just for the micropub server so that it's not you're not worried as much about resource-intensive nonsense while 
you know, your primary site. So you use one site to host and and publish it by MicroPub to a second site that is your primary identity where you're publishing out all your content. So you collect it on one site and then you publish it on a separate one. Well, that would involve a lot of uh, interoperability and a lot of other changes, but one problem and at a time. Create some, you know, create some back and forth and a little bit of additional uh, overhead. But it does, you know, at least solve some of the the server load issue as well as the data issue. Because even things like, um, you know, I eventually I'm going to get to some point where I'm going to have to massively up the size of my my MySQL database to be able to keep posting to my site. Well, you um, are very prolific. <laughs> you know, thousands and thousands of posts later. But one of the issues I originally thought about and considered when I started using uh, Press Forward was even with a small number of sources, the amount of data that's going into that is chewing up my database pretty heavily, you know, and which then moves forward the date by which I have to worry about the infrastructure that everything's running on to, to yeah. add more. Well, again, if your website is your, is your home on the internet, then it's going to just keep growing because you keep growing. Yeah. So you just got to keep adding rooms and rooms and rooms. Yep. And what you end up with is more. I think I've mentioned my craziest idea. Um, storing my contact list in my website. Oh, yeah, that'll be good. And writing a um, web dev interface so that I could use DavDroid, which is a web dev to a phone contact list sync app to actually have my phone get my contacts directly from my site mm-hmm. with HCard parsing. Yeah, nice. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but it sounds nice. The other part yeah. is making it so that each contact is actually a user on my site with no privileges so that you could actually uh, request an, um, a password, log into my site, and update your own details in my... Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Or, or, or use that for private or kind of, you know, not geofenced, but people-fenced posts so that you can put semi-private posts that, let's say, only your family can see because they're listed in your database and... We'll, we'll know, see. They're all um, tagged as family members. That was the private indie auth demo that happened at Berlin, which was related to that, where you could basically log into somebody else's site using indie auth and mm-hmm. see the private posts. Or even better, if you had, uh, they don't necessarily need to log into your site to update their data. Ideally, they would have their own site with their own H card and potentially even pseudo private details in their H card that, you know, through cross linking of sites, you could authorize one one site to allow it to update with more or less detail based on the relationship uh, through rel attributes. Well, that's. Um, the rel attribute relationships uh, was what I had planned for uh, follower. If yeah. I ever got to following, but also at Berlin there was a pagination discussion. God, and you know, every time I turn around, I think you know, okay, we've solved it, we're done, we're finished. And pagination, 
<laughs> no, not even pagination. Just you know, there's always basic more. indie web. You know, there's always keep, more. When are we going to run out of things to do? And I would have figured three years ago we would be done, and then it's all just UI and making it slicker. And in no. fact, that's not the case. We have no ideas all the time. So uh, pagination was discussed, and uh, there were some nice demos um, by uh, Marty McGuire and. Let's see, who else did contact? I think. Uh, did just on pagination. Well, uh, the thing is that you, um, it was creating uh, pagination where things would show you a day's worth of, and then if you move back, it would show you the previous day. Okay. Yeah. So instead of just you know a certain number of posts on each page, different ways of doing pagination. That's slick. So it's essentially the way WordPress does some of their archive pages. Yeah, but. In an archive, you actually there is no button in an archive to go back to the previous archive in many themes, yeah. which there probably should be. So, is this what uh, prompted you when you were thinking about photo galleries? Uh, no, and ways I, of presenting those, or that's a whole separate. No, I've been thinking about that for a while. But I, um, when they were talking about doing these archives um, based on day, that's when I decided to do the the your the custom URLs for it. Mm-hmm. But. It was a way of trying to narrow the other part of the problem, which is um, if you have a photo archive, how do you keep it together? And now, again, I never released that feature, but it's there where you would be able to do, what was it, slash kind, slash whatever, slash 2017 and see just the ones from 2017. There's more work. I, I just did that as sort of in three or four lines as some rewrites as a proof of concept, but it would also need the ability to do custom archives where you'd see at the top what type of archive it is, because the system that WordPress has has no way to actually identify that the archive is a, a 2017 kind archive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I need to do a little um, fiddling to make that work. Yeah. Um, fortunately, there are filters for that sort of thing, which is yeah. ultimately doable. Well, I've got a, I don't know, a couple months ago, I f- and it took me forever, I dug and dug and dug, and I finally found an on-this-day plugin that I liked enough and I made a couple of custom tweaks to it. So I have a a URL on my site that you can go to, I think it's slash archive slash OTD for on this day. And it'll show you what I did on November 11th, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago in a very kind of time hoppy fashion. Well, doing that is also on my list. um, Having the on this day future. Well, I, I'll send. I'll send you a link to yeah, I the one some. I found, so you don't have to. Because and it took me forever to dig it up, and I, but it was just a really random yeah. thing, and I finally found it. Because I honestly, I, you know, I spent a day or two digging around trying to find one. Yeah, I could never find one I liked, so that's why I thought I would have to build one. But if mm-hmm. you found one, that's good. But I found one that's that's reasonably decent. And the one thing that I think that it's really missing is that okay, so what if I miss today? And it's already tomorrow, and I want to see what did what did I miss yesterday because I didn't look it up. Well, that's sort of that's sort of why I wanted to do something more because sometimes it's you know on this day, but what if there's nothing? Maybe I want to instead when there's nothing on this day, I want to show on this month. Yeah, or on this week. Yeah, so I might want to fiddle with it a bit more. But let's see what else happened that in Berlin. We had uh, a session on digital archiving where we were discussing different ways to store older data. 
Uh, there was um, micro formats without uh, CSS class names because um, somebody was having trouble with that as an issue. Yeah, I saw some of the conversation in the chat after the fact. It was Charlie, I think. Yes. Uh, she, um, I didn't get to talk to her very much, but she seems like something of a character. Oh, she's, I, I think I saw her site pop up five or six months ago. She's got some really good stuff there. Yeah, but I, I like interesting characters, so I find it interesting to talk to people who have dynamic personalities. So if I remember, the part of the problem was she has a work team and getting them to adopt microformats. And part of their workflow is kind of an issue in how yeah. they use. So if you, let's say, you have a website and it's got microformats classes that are there for the semantic reasons. But within the CSS, those classes aren't used. I th- if I remember, her team would default to, hey, we're not using these classes, so therefore let's get rid of them. Yeah, so... And the, not, not knowing that they're there for another purpose. So the idea is that they could also be put on the properties attribute. Yeah. And that would solve the problem. And people are much less likely to remove properties and because think, they yeah. have less of an idea what those are for. And I think that the parsers will be updated to support that idea. If they're on a pro- if they're on properties, that they could be parsed. Was anybody actively building that after camp? I seem to recall that somebody did actually submit a PR for it. Okay. Um, then uh, displaying responses, which um, I was in, so I was not in the microformats one. One of the nice things about um, this event was afterwards, during the wrap-up at the end of the day, people actually talked about what happened in these sessions. Mm-hmm. But uh, displaying responses was all about, again, how you display responses. So the discussion was, um, and this was uh, proposed by Contact, which was things are sent to his site that are nonsense. Uh, liking or retweeting by people with offensive profile pictures. Mm-hmm. And if you're showing contents in, by other people, you might be hosting things that you don't want on your site, which is a moderation problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, um, it was pointed out that apparently some plugin that I'd installed a while ago was filling my um, tweets with giant images of my avatar. Which I turned, which I turned off. Um, I didn't even know I had it on still. But. So the uh, vouch doesn't actually solve this problem because vouch one is a degree of trust rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. So there are all these uh, discussions. Um, you could have an accept list. You can have uh, different displays for people you accept, people who you have a second degree relationship with, and everybody else. So you could be a little more distinguishing in your displays, mm-hmm. which was an interesting discussion. If I remember, I think it, I know I read a post after the fact. I think by Eddie Hinkle. Yeah, I think he, re- he, he remotely uh, attended and was and had some comments about that. Uh, his post would have been thinking through the uh, Berlin displaying responses session, and his comment was that um, there are four groups of people you want to treat their responses differently, which. At the moment, I don't know if anybody is doing it. Accepted yeah. or immediate connections, second-level connections, everyone else, and mute or blocked people. Mm-hmm. 
So the accepted or immediate connections are people who you are currently following, who are on your follow list. Then you have friends of friends, which you can, um, to quote Eddie, you can assume they won't do anything too bad, but you may not want them posting all over your site. And then you have everyone else. And I'll go with mutes or blocks are sort of a given. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to implement something like this um, to make it a little easier to do my moderation management. But again, not a high priority for me because people don't comment very much on my stuff. Yeah. By the way, why haven't you commented on my stuff? <laughs> I, I, easily, I got to be sending you at least one a week. Either that or my web mentions okay. are broken for some reason and I'm not aware of it. You know I'm joking, right? <laughs> okay, okay. I, I right. do not expect you to comment on the fact that I that I checked into the Berlin Ostan, uh, Ostbahnhof. Yeah, okay. Or that I that I visited a uh what was the name of that place? Uh Yivki's Orientalish uh Hasmanskost. Yeah. I you know Well how I many how I... many how many kosher falafel joints can you find in Berlin? Yeah. I, well I don't know if I if I did it, most of them I've seen. I think my favorite was the MLK uh, plaque. Yeah, I, seen. yeah. I, um, I, I basically checked into all these places and took pictures with my um, regular camera rather than my cell phone camera. So I had to go back and add the pictures later. Okay. Yeah. When I got back, so you'll see pictures of Yivgis. Uh, you'll see pictures of the of the Schoenfeld City Hall, which is where JFK did not announce he was a jelly donut. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing is um, when I went to Yivgi's and I said that I was in the neighborhood to see where JFK gave a speech, uh, the owner um, told me um, that that happened way back in 1969. And I was trying, wow. to, ex I was trying to explain to him that uh, that would be quite impossible. Yeah. As if Kennedy gave a speech in 1969, then I would be particularly scared. And well, he would have seen that guy on, you know, he would see he would have seen his guys on the moon. Well, that would have been nice for him. Yeah, indeed. But I thought it was interesting to sort of go back to check-ins and just add pictures. Yeah. No, I've I think I've done that once or twice, or. I don't know if I need to know. Well, I also added. Up. I also added more context. I don't know if it got updated because I played around with it in one way on my test server, but I haven't pushed all the updates to my um, production server. But I know there was an issue with uh, swarm check-ins being micropubbed over. And not necessarily as check-ins. If you wrote a note, they would show up as a note. Yeah. So I quit quit posting notes at all, and I was just posting photos in the location. Yeah, I updated the 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 instructions. Now, if you, um, I think I fixed post type discovery. If it has the check-in property, it will always be classified as a check-in. Yeah. Okay. It's just a matter of adjusting how you interpret it, but let's see what else happened at Berlin. Uh, data ethics on the indie web, which I wish I had. I had this ethical problem with uh, trying to figure out whether or not I should attend the ethics conversation or the displaying responses session. Mm -hmm. And I decided that doing was better than talking about uh, whether or not I should do things. So I went 
there was a photo session. And uh, would have liked to do that one, but I had a, something going concurrently. Uh, building a censorship-resistant web. Uh, making your website work offline. I did not attend that. Uh, Jeremy Keith was uh, doing that, and he wrote a book on the subject. I decided in support of the fact that I didn't attend, I would uh, go and buy his book. There you go. Which, well, um, which... I, I haven't finished reading it. I only read one chapter, but it's... Um, Having uh, met him, I can imagine him narrating the book. So if there's an audiobook version, I don't know if it would top the one in my mind because the way yeah, that he would... the way that he writes is very similar to the way that he talks. So the book really shows his personality. Yeah. Also, the first programming book where somebody debated the duck-billed platypus in the first few pages. So anyway. Uh, so at the same time, I was doing a location session, which wasn't uh, heavily attended, and somebody did micro formats for contracts with the hashtag money stuff <laughs> okay. and services for static sites. So there was a lot of good stuff going on. I got to meet a lot of European uh, indie web people who I otherwise hadn't met. But still no Matthias. I said that if you ever actually showed up in an event, even if I wasn't planning on coming, that I would find a way to get there. So that's he's still the one slot on your IndieWeb bingo card. You still have yet to. Uh, no, Kevin Marks. Oh, okay. All right. If I meet Kevin Marks, then he would be the only one left. Okay. I'm sure there'll be new people in the community over time that I uh, want to meet. But he happens to be one of the the people who I want to meet because we've been doing all of the. WordPress stuff together for so long, I think it would be good to actually sit down in a room and talk about it. Yeah. Or at least say hi. Yeah, I think uh, of most of my WordPress installation, you know, the the portion you've written and Matthias have written are probably about equal to the size of WordPress core code that I'm running. I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. All all the fun stuff my site does is stuff you guys have written. Yeah, well, we want to do more. But what's uh, next for you? You've okay. heard me talk about all the stuff I, I've been up to. What's next for you? Attending well, Indie I, Web Camp Austin, maybe? Which is also announced? I Yeah, I heard Austin was put down and I saw dates for that. Yeah. So that's that's a possibility. I've got to start like working on schedules and how can we come up with reasons to do this and get it paid for. Uh, um, well, I I just schedule all my vacations to be into webcams now. It's just... Yeah. Well, that's not always as easy when you've got family and fifteen other things juggling around. Yeah. Well, just tell them that you know. Wouldn't you like to see Austin yeah. in February? Yeah. So you, you come up with other reasons to need to be in those places at those days and times, which, you know, I came up with a really good reason to go to Berlin. What was that? Uh, my work asked me to change my vacation and which was scheduled for December and I had nothing to do. And I, if I don't use my vacation up by the end of the year, I, I lose it. So you tra- you traded uh, vacation time for then for now. That works. I couldn't use it then. They told, um, they told me somebody else had to go out of the office. So I had to be there. 
Of course, I planned that vacation last year, so. <laughs> oh, well, I'm really bad Can't at vacation. But. Well, I've got a bunch of stuff I've been testing in bits and pieces that I've yet to push to my production server. So I need to do that. And I think I still have one or two issues that I have no idea what they what they relate to for the Micropub 2.2.0 version. Well, there've been a lot of um, there've been a lot of improvements. Um people have been as I said, um sending in problems and we've been fixing them because now that we're getting more data, it's sort of easier. Yeah. Where and now there's the, we weren't getting that level. I was going to say you've now also built in some of the troubleshooting stuff that uh, um, I think Martin wrote yes, a couple months uh, back. Yeah, we were talking about it. He was my roommate in Berlin. In fact, I want to say I think I'm running that as like a separate piece of code and a little snippet in some odd place. I'll have to dig it up and remove it now that it's been merged into. It's in the indie auth plugin to sort of allow people to test whether or not it's working properly. So I've got, you know, I've got some updating to do on that front. And then I also need to delve in and figure out how to do the uh, custom post type stuff that's in the new uh, post kinds version. Um, custom so post kind, not custom post type. Cut, yeah, custom post kind so that I can update. I think I'm only um, I'm three or four. Yeah, um, register post kind. It's a new global function that you would just run. And oh. you have to attach it early enough in the chain so that it would actually work. But I need to, you know, may hope to have an example of how that works. Yep. Well, all you uh, need is a separate plugin because if you use a separate plugin, then it won't get overridden every time. Yeah. So you can just have a little uh, snippet that you use as a plugin. I need to do that, and then I need to document that so that the twenty other people who probably have custom ones that have used little snippets of code I've come up with in the past can do the same thing. Well, the thing is that if you run one function, it'll do all the rest of the work for you. Yeah. If you hook it in at the right time. That's why I rewrote it that way to make it easier. But the other part, um, the next part for the registration is to register which properties each kind uses. Mm -hmm. and then those properties will be automatically rendered in the post interface. Instead of me custom coding what each post a UI looks like based on the kind. Oh, yeah, so it would be dealing a, with the different views. Yeah, so, well, no, views are the output. This will be the input. Okay. So sorry, you'd be sorry. able to say that an RSVP had the RSVP property, and it would render the RSVP property. Yeah. You'd be able to say that it had a featured image that it had a URL, so it would only show those pieces that it needed. And then I suppose JavaScript would change it if you changed which type you were using. Yeah. Very slick. Well, if I can pull it off, and then that would set me up for the next generation. Yeah. Well, and ideally... Some of my custom post kinds as experiments either become serious things or we, you know, end if up they become serious, then they'd be merged in. Well, I've been thinking specifically about 
because I've been posting highlights and annotations lately. And that annotations really is a a superset of both. So I think I may get rid of highlights and just have annotations. Yeah, once it's developed to the point at which it is worth And even to some extent, in, annotations is just a, a subset of in reply to. Yeah, but so is uh, so is issue. Yeah. But I guess it's nice to have a slightly different UI display for how those things look. And that's what, so I mean, I that's what the that. kinds basically are. Yep. So we've talked a little longer than uh, originally scheduled, but it's always nice to have this podcast where it's basically just the two of us catching up on things. Well, given that uh, as we wrap up uh, and given that there's been now, four indie web camps, if you can believe that, between the last time our, we had a conversation, our last conversation, and now, which has been a while, but hasn't been that long in the grand scheme of things. Um, I thought I would uh, uh, credit uh, Subcell with the the indie web quote of the week, which is uh, in one of his recent posts. He wrote, "Oh, indie web camp." You come with a few things you want for your own website, then you do some completely other things, and after that you leave with an even longer list of things to do for your own website. That and sounds like think, every time I go to an indie web camp. I I think that's the, that's something anybody who's gone to an indie web camp could easily say each and every time they go. I will not disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, in indie web camp is like poison ivy. It makes me itchier and itchier and itchier. Oh, you remember the famous song? Which one? Poison ivy. Oh, okay. I uh, thought you were going to come up with with. We always close with some really random, obscure reference that somehow the other person seems to know. And what? And that, poison and, ivy and that, by the coasters is a random reference. That's random, but it's not quite as random. I think that's more popularly known than, you know, like random Gordon Corman books. I don't know. I still use Interflux as a reference. Yeah. But, you know, I think more people know about Poison Ivy than know about uh, Interflux. Quite possibly. So, I don't know. That's all. all I do you have the Do you have the random obscure quote of that you like to test me on? I know no, I've got nothing this week. Nothing this week. Well, I could I could go and a- and ask you a trivia question. Okay. Because uh, this is one that came up in uh, my fa- this is the trivia question that my family was debating, and not everybody in the family was able to answer this question. In the nineteen seventies. What were the three the names of the three most popular appliance colors? That's a good question. Avocado easily has got to be one of them. You are correct. Avocado is one of the three. There was some really goofy, like odd tinged yellow color that was really popular. Harvest, I don't know. Harvest gold. Okay. I didn't know what... That's I, what I, I had when I was you, growing up. I had no idea. I think we had a refrigerator that was that color. Okay. So 
So did I. That's uh, the color of my refrigerator when I was growing up. And the third one, and my well, my mom has a name for that color that's not harvest gold, and it's you know not not safe not safe yeah, for work. But that was the official name. Um, and the, but do you know what the third one was? It was kind of a quirky burnt orange color, but I don't know what it, the technical name for that would have been either. The third one was copper. Copper? Okay. Was that late 70s or early 70s? That would have been late 70s. That was um, Copper was a brownish color. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I remember it more. There, there's a uh, a late 70s Volkswagen Beetle in my neighborhood that's that color with a little bit of, you know, metallic fleck paint thrown in just for good measure. But that one I would have missed. But boy, we do miss that avocado. Uh, I do not miss the harvest gold. Yeah, the, the harvest gold we can live without. I remember the day I got rid of that thing. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, maybe it'll come back for... Uh, I'm hoping next, that doesn't make a comeback. Next year's Martha Stewart collection. Please you can no. redecorate your entire kitchen in that color. Please no. Well, you know. Anyway, on that note... Um, if I'm bell going bottoms to... come back, then you can worry. I'm worried about anything from the 70s making a comeback. Besides me, besides me. Oh, you're you are not a cultural icon from the seventies. <laughs> no, and thank God for that. So, all right. Well, I will let you go. Okay. At that point, I should have made a, a welcome back Cotter reference. Yeah. Oh well. Or a, uh, and I've been listening a lot to. Uh, uh, some early 70s music from uh, uh, Gil Scott Heron. Maybe, so maybe you can, you know, swing out with the, revo- the revolution will not be televised. I remember, I remember that particular reference. On that note, I'm going to suggest we adjourn. Sounds good. We'll see you, what, next week? I hope so. Or, or for, for any webcams from now. Hopefully not four. Whichever comes first. Until next time. Sounds good. Take care, Dan. Good luck.